there is a clock ticking, you know, in terms of irreversible impacts from climate change. I mean, Canadians is a whole part of it because of our cold climate. We are one of the heaviest users of, of energy on a per capita basis. So I'd say we were behind in terms of the general public coming along. But as a country, in terms of what we're developing, we're on top of it. There's a Clean Tech 100 index that's produced every year of the top 100 clean tech countries. And Canada's number two on the list. We have 13 companies in that list of top 100 this year. Canada, we beat out the UK, we beat out Germany, we beat out France, we beat out China. So we produce a lot of clean tech initiatives. And you look at the federal budget last year, $17.6 billion allocated to Canada's green recovery. So we're, we're coming along. The, the money is coming, the message is getting there, but um, still a long way to go. Hello, hello, hello. I'm super excited for you to be joining us for Season 5, Episode 66 of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, where we chat with the founders of some of Canada's most interesting and successful companies. My name is Chris Hobbs. I'm the president and co-founder of TTT Studios, a Canadian software development studio headquartered here in Vancouver, where we build digital experiences and solutions for industry leaders who aim to shape the world. One of the truly enjoyable highlights of my job here at TTT has been meeting some fantastic founders from all across our great nation, whether schmoozing at conferences or with the C100 down in the valley. I take so much from each and every one of these conversations, so we decided to share some of them with you. If you enjoy listening half as much as I enjoy chatting with these folks, I'll call this a resounding success. Next week, I'll be chatting with Michael Stevens, a leading information technology law partner in the Vancouver office of Faskin. But now we have a fabulous guest, Brian Durate, founder of Black Tech Capital. I want to remind you that we're doing something special for season five. Canada has so many amazing startups that I wanted to share some of my favorites with you. Today's Canadian Startup of the Week is an awesome Vancouver-based foundation named Charitable Impact. So we'll learn a little bit about Charitable Impact, whose founder, John Bromley, also has a question for Brian regarding his journey. But first, let's chat with Brian Durate as he shares stories about valuable lessons he learned about long-term planning, working in the energy business, where he sees Canada ranking in the global market for clean tech, some of the unique challenges underrepresented founders face, and what qualities he looks for in potential investment opportunities. Don't forget to like, subscribe, or do all those things we podcasters love. But now, Brian Durate is a social venturist entrepreneur, angel investor, and engineer. He is the CEO of Enlighten, a sustainable solutions integrator, creating a new emerging energy future, and the co-founder and the managing partner of Black Tech Capital, whose mission is to find, fund, and help Black and other underrepresented entrepreneurs grow great clean tech companies. By focusing on Black and other underrepresented entrepreneurs, Black Tech Capital's impact is at the intersection of social responsibility and environmental initiatives. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Very welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, this is this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So mm -hmm. tell me, for I, I just wanted to right off the bat, give me a definition. Social venturist. I love that. Fill me in. Well, for me, when I started going into this space, going from my background as an entrepreneur and looking at getting into the venture capital world, you know, and mm -hmm. investing into companies, to me, saying that you're a venture capitalist, quite frankly, just sounded greedy. 
right? It, it, it's just the, the way the name is and the connotation where to me, the importance and the reason I'm doing this was to help, you know, black entrepreneurs like myself, underrepresented entrepreneurs, give them that chance, give them the financial, not just the financial input into their um, business, but that help, that connection, um, mentoring, advising, everything they needed. And looking from that aspect, and then also the aspect of the environmental side, you know, the climate change, putting the focus there, to me, it was really a social venture that we were starting. So to me, why not change the title, call myself a social venturist. And so coin the term, Hopefully, I'll, you know, maybe someday in the future, it'll be on Wikipedia and, you know, it'll, it'll be accredited to me naming it that, but I'm putting the term out there as a social venturist. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's, 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 under, it's under your title in the whole bit. And I, and, I, and I think it's awesome. And I do love right. the fact that you're trying to meet two needs. You know, you're mm -hmm. trying to, to, to meet the needs of under, underrepresented um, entrepreneurs, which, which mm -hmm. I think, you know, especially with the, um, how, well, I just think I just think it really, really can empower so many different so many different groups by by you know by by everyone not only just bringing it to the attention but also showing that there is a path for 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 all um, members of Canada. I mean, do you focus mostly in Canada, or are you looking outside as well? Is there is there a geographical side to this? Well, geographically, we're looking at North America, but my primary focus would be Canada. I mean, being Canadian, my networks are here. Almost my connections. I'm here where I'm involved with a lot of universities and accelerators or across Canada. So by it guess my involvement and where I'm connected, that will definitely be mostly Canadian. But North America as a whole is where we're looking for investing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know what? We're talking about Black Tech Capital. Why don't you give me the uh, creation story behind it? <laughs> behind Black Tech Capital, I mean, <laughs> for me, that was going back to 2020 and coming towards the end of 2020, you know, we're all in the middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So many of us are trying to figure out where do we go. And for me, the company at the time, we were just looking at where our projects, so many projects had been put on hold, um, people waiting to see when they were gonna get back and go into these different sustainability initiatives. And then really it came out of a meditation of all places. I was deep in a meditation and I realized what I love doing and what was I was about was helping other people make their dreams come true. Mm -hmm. And from that understanding that in, you know, that thing coming to me, it was like, okay, how do I do that? And I attended a webinar on venture capital for entrepreneurs and having been an entrepreneur myself for mm -hmm. 15, 20 years officially, though that mm -hmm. goes back a longer way. Um, we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll dig into that <laughs> after, sure. Um, so I started looking into it and last year created uh, Black Tech Capital, right? And said for investing in Black and underrepresented founders in clean tech. Clean tech, that is an area I've been in, been in that sustainability field last 10 years. That's why I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And then just myself as a Black founder, knowing the challenges I had getting funding for my various businesses, mm -hmm. even after creating, I was on business number two, we had 15 staff, millions of dollars in revenue coming in and still had difficulty even with the banks. So I said, mm -hmm. no, this has to change. And that's why that particular focus um, with Black Tech Capital. Yeah, well, I think that I think that's good. I mean, you yeah. put your money, your money where your mouth is. And, yeah, and uh, I guess the other, mm -hmm. 
The other part I would add to that creation story, I started off with another general partner, but for personal reasons, she had to back out last year. And this year, I just put it out to my networks. I was looking for a black female co-general partner mm-hmm. and you know, connected with one back in April through the network. And we met last week in New York City for the first time in person, which was amazing. So, amazing. but yeah, and she's been she's been great, you know, and since then, really things have kicked off and accelerated with the two of us because you know being a male i obviously didn't want to miss you know when you're talking to different founders i didn't want to miss the perspective of female founders and i know that's a different perspective and a different journey so it was really key and important to me to have a female co-general partner with me as part of the fund oh i i think that's i think that's super smart and super important as we recognize diversity from all from all fronts and trying to, trying yeah. to create create value well well you know speaking of that new york trip i i you know we, we chatted a little bit and there's some really uh you know amazing recognition and award that you got can you share that with me sure happy to do that so last week in new york was the un's climate week so they have all their meetings on climate and as part of it we were recognized, so we as in Black Tech Capital was recognized by the World Economic Forum as one of the top innovative funds for the future. They had put out a challenge back in April, and we are their first cohort of 17 funds that have received that recognition. So super wow. excited about it, you know, super excited to be in New York City and to get that recognition. Um the World Economic Forum, they have an initiative called Uplink, and they've been promoting sustainability companies for the last four years. So they've been getting various sustainability companies, putting on different challenges, say, around the ocean or around trees. And they said, hey, we need to now focus on those funds that are there to help support these sustainability initiatives. And so great recognition, puts our fund on the world stage, puts us in front of the UN, in front of, you know, different types of climate initiatives and initiatives focused on diversity around the world. So very, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, con- congratulations. I mean, I hope you, you. Take, you, you know, take take that award and really uh, propel Black Tech Capital yes. even further forward, especially in New York or these, you know, on, on a global scale uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, um, you definitely can uh, um, you know benefit from from the visibility of that. Well, what got you interested in clean tech in the, in, in the beginning? At that goes back a long way. That even goes back to my university days because okay. when I was in university back in engineering in third year, got involved in a high, I guess, ultra high mileage vehicle competition, things where you were getting vehicles of 1,300, 1,400 plus miles per gallon. Wow. Um, got involved in that competition and that led us into a natural gas vehicle competition the year after in our fourth year. Now, natural gas today is not necessarily where we want to go, given the intensive uh, carbon uh, emitting of that, especially things like methane, which is worse than the CO2. Mm -hmm. But that interest in looking at alternative energies and what other alternatives were out there takes me all the way back, as I said, to to my university days. And then when I left the corporate world and started on my entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial official entrepreneurial journey um and, uh, is, and that doesn't mean unemployed everyone that means no 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 <laughs> no it was i started looking again it was okay where can i make a bigger difference you know we started off in the smart metering sector and then my client said okay now we have all this information what can we do with this smart metering stuff and so i started getting more involved looking at different sustainability initiatives and that's what brought enlightenment into looking at different sustainability alternatives for clients 
and, and I got involved with uh, the Center for Social Innovation here in uh, Toronto and their Climate Ventures group when they launched in 2018. So it's just been a journey of more and more and more focused on sustainability. It's it's what we need. Um, you know, there is a there is a clock ticking. You know, in terms of irreversible impacts from climate change, and I'm one of the I won't call it optimistic or pessimistic, but I believe we have enough solutions and we can put those solutions out there. We just have to be on top of it. Mm -hmm. well, that, that's that's really interesting. That was actually going to be one of my, my questions is what's your thought? Like, what's your barometer on our ability to turn the corner? And do you think mm -hmm. Canada is going to be a big, you know, you're, you're definitely with Enlightenment and other organizations, you're, you're definitely, you know, playing a key role. Do you think Canada is playing a key role or is there a certain... Um, nation that you would say, you know, wow, we really should look towards maybe some of the solutions from there. I think we are slightly behind the European market in terms mm -hmm. of actually putting and implementing things out there from from one perspective. When, when I look as an overhaul, overall, when I look at society in general, right? So when I look at individuals in society, what we individually are doing, I mean, Canadians as a whole part of it because of our cold climate we are one of the heaviest users of, of energy um, mm -hmm. on a per capita basis. So I'd say we were behind in terms of the general public coming along. But as a country, in terms of what we're developing, we're on top of it. Mm -hmm. There's a Clean Tech 100 index that's produced every year of the top 100 clean tech countries, companies, mm -hmm. uh, countries, sorry, around the world, showing the top 100. 100 companies. I'm getting this, getting this straight here. <laughs> and Canada's number two on the list. Amazing. We have 13 companies in that list of top 100 this year. US is number one with 50. They've always more innovative. That's their, their society. Everything is really geared for that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to Canada, we beat out the UK. We beat out Germany. We beat out France. Yeah. We beat out China. We beat out, you know, all these different countries around the world. So we produce a lot of clean tech initiatives. And you look at the federal budget last year, $17.6 billion allocated to Canada's green recovery. So mm -hmm. we're, we're coming along, you know, mm -hmm. and the, the money is coming, the message is getting there, but um, still a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I understand. Well, what's, what's some of the biggest challenges we're facing in Canada right now for, you know, moving forward with, uh, with um, clean tech? I mean, I guess our biggest challenge, we're always being a heavily resource intensive country. I mean, that's what's a big part of our exports. It's a big part of our GDP, relying mm -hmm. on, on oil, natural gas, our, our mining sectors. So to transition out of that is tricky, right? Everyone mm -hmm. talks about electrification, right? Electrification, yes, makes sense from the transportation sectors, and there's lots of things we can do. But replacing a lot of what we get for oil, for it's everywhere in our in our day to day lives. Mm -hmm. Natural gas is such a key component of our heating, um, you know, and what we need. So that transition is tricky because there's not the ability to just alternate, just switch, right? When you're mm -hmm. building new things, building new electric vehicles, putting in new buildings, it's e easier to build that new, but how do you retrofit the existing stock of buildings and so on? Mm -hmm. So the, some of the things we really need to be looking at is how do we do that transition? How do we manage things like fuel switching, um, being able to optimize between electricity and natural gas as we move there? So the, it's bringing those sectors together. I'll speak here specifically on Ontario. Mm -hmm. 
you've got Enbridge that's dealing with the natural gas and you've mm -hmm. got uh, 60 plus electric utilities, you know, they're not um, necessarily having the same agenda, right? So how do you bring them together to focus on the balance between the two? So yeah, I think there's, mm -hmm. to me, there's more political and people challenges than there are technology challenges that we're facing. Because as I said, um, being number two on the list, we produce a lot of great tech, clean technologies here in Canada. Mm -hmm. oh, that's super interesting. Well, what do, what do you think is going to be more important to to protecting our future in terms of climate change? Like less consumption, or or are we going to be saved by technology? I don't know if we'll be saved by technology. I think there's some things that we're already over the tipping point. Mm. I mean, you look at the impacts of the the hurricane Fiona. I mean, you've got uh, her the one hit in Florida right now, Fiona that just hit the East Coast, right? Mm -hmm. That is not typical for a hurricane to come up there. So climate impacts are here, right? They're mm -hmm. increasing. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to look first at technology to help us live in this new climate. climate. Um, and, and then overall, can it save us? I say for sure it can. It is more back to the people side of things, right? Mm -hmm. Educating people, people having the political will to, to put these things in place um, and being able to educate our politicians that, mm -hmm. you know, as to, to, to what's good. And I see something coming up in the future where, you know, we look to the political side, we look to the um, sort of the industry side for these technical solutions. And one of the things I've been working more late, lately is academia, because I think there's that's a missing piece in terms of involving them as more almost like a, um, once they, they have a stake in it, but they're not motivated the same way by, you know, politicians, okay, can I get reelected? Companies are just, you know, they've got to meet their shareholders, please making dollars. We're in academia, they're in this weird space of they get to try things, right? So mm -hmm. I think bringing them to the table and more of this um, might be something in, in helping to educate and helping to steer the right direction, you know, looking at things, responsible AI and so on. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's opportunities, lots of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think academia makes sense because it's the world we're leaving to our children. And, uh, yeah. you know, thank you for cleaning up for us, kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do our best, but if you can study extra hard and figure out how you can unscrew what we screwed up, that would be awesome. That would be yeah. awesome. Well, well, well tell yeah. me, I mean, you're the CEO and founder of Enlighten. Tell, tell me about, you know, what, what's the mission of Enlighten? What, what's, what's the core business? So for Enlighten, it is the focus of that was it started off, as I said, in the smart metering sector. And then that aspect of the business, I sold to, to one of the local utilities here in Ontario. And then really just started building off of all the data we collected, whether it be electricity data, gas, water, thermal information, and had clients and customers come back and say, okay, we've got this information, we're monitoring it, what next? And looking at what's the different sustainability solutions that we can bring for clients. You know, it's not a one-stop fits all. You know, some people, if you own your own building, yeah, maybe you can put in uh, solar or geothermal or wind. But what happens if you don't own the building and you're just renting the building, what things can you do? So then you have to start looking at the employee side of things, right? And I'm a big believer in, engaging the people in the corporation, whether you're doing a solar initiative, a geothermal initiative, 
or you're just looking, how can we reduce our waste consumption in the office? So Enlighten is about helping companies find those different sustainability solutions. We're not the implementers, but we help them find that and, and figure out what makes sense for them to, to put into place. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I love, mm -hmm. I love the model. And again, you know, that I, I, we do need this information. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about, I mean, a lot of, a lot, I can't say everything's going to be solved, but when we tie back the data and then we make the, the data actionable, uh, on mass yeah. and people, you know, I mean, you, the, one, one of the biggest problems I think is people think the, you know, when it comes to, um, climate change is they think, okay, today's weather is base zero. That's our measure base yeah. zero, you know, but well, not really. It's kind of warmer. You know, we, we really need to have that data so that we can see, um, you know, see the statistics to really understand where, what it is we need to do to, to not only start panicking because we realize that this is, this is a challenge, but, and I think right. panic is important for a lot of people to, to mm -hmm. kind of turn their minds. Um, but I, I, but I do think that data is, is, is going to be super, super important. Well, um, you know, can you share a couple of examples of some Canadian clean tech companies or technologies that, that personally excite you right now? Um, so, I mean, if I look at, from all, all different aspects. I mean, I'm looking at a company right now out of Alberta where they're looking at a different way of deploying hydrogen to the home. And it really came from people saying, hey, we want to put in, a, I, I want to put, run my dishwasher and run my air conditioner and charge my Tesla all at the same time and found out for a lot of cases you can't, right? Mm -hmm. The grid just does not have enough for there. So they're finding a way to bring hydrogen to the home and then take the hydrogen out to create that power. And they're doing it in a liquefied format that's not at high pressures or very cold temperatures. So a really new novel patented way of, of delivering hydrogen because in the past with hydrogen, it's too volatile for pipelines in a mm -hmm. gaseous state. And to liquefy it, it's you know, minus 200 and something degrees Celsius and, and, and high pressure. So, they're actually dissolving the hydrogen in another liquid carrier and being able to deliver that. So Canadian technology right out of Alberta. Now the company I'm working with here in, in Toronto, uh, engineer out of the University of Toronto like myself, mm -hmm. and he's developed a battery technology that has the inverter built in so you can plug in the AC or DC, and he's deploying it in Nigeria. So he's deploying it in countries where they don't have reliable grid electricity mm -hmm. And instead of just selling these devices, they rent them. So it's an mm -hmm. easier cost of ownership, gets people in, and then they bring the devices back and recharge them under solar. So just a novel, different way. You know, the battery technology, he's got some patented technology in it, but mm -hmm. it's a standard lithium ion battery. It's not that new, but it's how it's being deployed, how it's being carried out, right? Really exciting, cool technology. Now the woman I'm working here in the Waterloo area, a key part, especially for us in Canada, you know, as I mentioned, we have our, our resource intensive, we got our forestry to look after mining. And there's a lot of sensors deployed to bring back that environmental data you mentioned before, you know, that data is key and important. Well, how do you get the data back from, you know, the Northwest Territories, Yukon, Northern Ontario, Northern BC, mm -hmm. and they've developed a, a device that can connect to any sensor, so they're sensor agnostic, but be able to transmit that data over large distances without having to go through the expense of going up to a satellite or where, you know, they really came about through the pandemic where field people weren't able to go out to the field to collect the data. So how do you get it back? 
And so they've developed this uh, new device that right now they're at uh, 10 kilometers. They can transmit the data without needing line of sight. Because typically with uh, radio transmission, you need line of sight. It's locked. Mm -hmm. Really cool technology for doing that. So, I mean, those are example of some of the companies. And, and the company we first invested in, um, they're doing carbon capture. So, But carbon capture, not for storage, but carbon capture to turn it in to useful substances. So out of the carbon capture, they make something called acrylamide, which is heavily important in water treatment. And they also use it for creating carbon fibers. So really exciting technologies. And I, I can keep going on forever <laughs> on the number of different clean technologies that are that are out there and solutions that people are coming up with. Oh, well, I think it's I think that's so amazing. And I, and, and I love hearing how they're all over the place. Like it's not, you know, an yeah. energy focus. This is a network focused one that'll, you know, be able to, to yeah. bring that data again. This is the parts of the tools that bring the whole package together that allow it, you know, and, 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 and it's creating impact on a global scale and um, or at least a Canadian style that will bring it on the on the on the global oh, scale. Right. Should it be should it be should it should it uh, you know prove to uh, to be so you know you've given me hope and I and I and I'm really happy to hear that and you know there's there's a there's another group there's you know we we have in in our episodes here we have what we call our startups of the week Canadian startups that we love this right. edition is charitable impact I sat down to chat with founder John Bromley to tell us a bit about the impact that charitable impact is creating and he has a question for you Brian so here's John. Tell me, elevator pitch time. Tell me about the company and what do you do? Chris, thanks so much for having me. Um, so if you're someone who cares about things changing in the world, right? And, and, and if you're someone who knows you have something to give towards creating that change, who's here to help you, right? So that's what Charitable Impact is for. We're here to work with people who use charitable giving to create change in the world for whatever they care most about. And we act not unlike a charity bank, you know, who, who, who provides you the services to help you navigate the charitable giving world. So regardless of how much money you have, regardless of what charities you care about giving to, right, or what causes you care about impacting, and also regardless of how much experience you have with charitable giving, we're here to help you. Oh, and that's great. I mean, that's such a big, big and important space for uh, for for the help. So I, I thank you for that. Well, you, you you were the original founder, but tell me about the formation. I mean, you, you you have a team now. Tell me about the formation of the team and how that's progressed. Yeah, so I started the company way back. Just a real brief thing about me. Like I mm -hmm. come from a, a, a I'm a I'm a subject matter expert entrepreneur, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm more of a like I know my space. I, I understand the problems and I see solutions, you know, for them to help people you know, give more effectively over time, become better donors. And so that's my background. I really started Charitable Impact, not seeking to create and build a company as much as to uh, solve a problem that I understood really, really well. So when I started the company, uh, first of all, I had the idea way before I started the company. Like, it wasn't like, hey, idea, boom, let's get going. It was like, hey, idea, let's chill on this for a while. And you know, keep advising and working in the field the way I was, and then, you know, slowly worked up to it. So the first thing I did once I, you know, I guess it's got, got the courage to, to actually, you know, work on the idea, which, which is what one of the things that differentiates entrepreneurs, I guess, mm -hmm. is, is I, 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 I surrounded myself with two or three people who had strengths that the strengths that I didn't have, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a charity banker. I'm a finance guy. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm an inventor of some kind. 
I, I'm not a, I'm not an engineer and I'm not a, you know, so, so I surrounded myself with a couple people who had those type of skill sets and we deployed charitable impact to get it operational uh, relatively quickly. And from there we built the team up T today. Charitable impact has nearly a hundred people uh, mm -hmm. with, you know, uh, a more robust, um, you know, um, you know, team with, 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 you know, uh, vice presidents and, and, and important things like that. And, and mm -hmm. but really just a dedicated workforce of really talented people who are, who, who, who are aligned to help, help solve the problem that we're, we're trying to solve, which is ultimately about serving donors and making them better as donors and more effective as they go about their, their change agency in their lifetime. Well, amazing. Amazing. Well, well, can you tell me a little bit more of, you know, I call this like a big win in the journey and uh, can you share maybe a big win or two that you've had uh, since uh, forming the company? Yeah, well, you know, companies are are full of um, many, many, many failures that aren't catastrophic that lead into uh, big wins. So it's not unlike, uh, you know, sports, something I can relate to, right? So, um, you know, a big win, a big win that we had actually earlier this year, here we are in 2022, uh, mm -hmm. was that we passed the billion dollar mark of donations coming into, wow. uh, you know, people's impact accounts. And, and so, so, so that's a big win and it's a fun one to celebrate because it's a big number, especially in a, a small country like Canada, uh, you know, only 15 to $18 billion gets given away every year. Right. So for our small organization to have achieved that was, was a really a big win, but let's just look quickly at what that big win it comprises of mm -hmm. and what that big win comprises of is what really gets me excited, which is, you know, working with individuals or companies who are donors and helping them, you know, gain more confidence about how they how how they go about their charitable giving. And mm -hmm. so, you know, on the one hand, there are some big donors who use charitable impact, right? Like like every bank, a small number of really big players, right? Eighty five million dollars is our biggest account. Wow. And yet, on the opposite side of the the scale, you know, for example, both of my children who are um, uh, grade five and six. Did I get that right? I hope so. <laughs> you know, great five been and there, six. Been and, there. You know, and and like what you know, what do they know, right? But both of them have uh, impact accounts with charitable impact, and my 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 partner and I send them ten dollars a month for them to give away, right? Awesome. So we have a multitude of smaller everyday Canadian donors who use our platform, and there's tons and tons and tons of them, and then we have a couple big players. But what we do for donors is always the same. Mm -hmm. We, we help them understand and navigate their optionality, you know, for making donations, you know, which, which you get a tax receipt for, and then how to, how they can, what their options are and how to go about, you know, deploying that money across the types of causes and charities that they ultimately want to support. And we do that for every donor. Well, I, I love the idea of setting up a, I mean, we'll call it like an allowance account for kids where they can actually do for good. And how, how difficult is it? Because, I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to go set my kids up right, right after this. How difficult is it to register for an account? What, what are the steps needed? Well, if you have an email address and you understand, you know, the importance of a password to protect, you know, your, your credentials logging in, then that's all you need. Perfect. Right. So it's actually really simple to get started. Um, and that's actually a really important part of the company. Uh, it, it's purposeful that we are we, we, we are web based so that anybody can participate with a sophisticated tool um, when they're giving money away, right? A tool that can hold, you know, real estate and public company shares and, and private company shares and this complex stuff on the one hand, and on the other hand, hold cash that you can 
you know, load in on a credit card monthly or whenever you're, you're, you're prepared, right? So it's easy and it's accessible to everybody. Why? Because being a donor, like being a voter, isn't about how much money or power you have. Okay. Ultimately, it's about participation. For sure. And everyone participates. That's that's just awesome. I'm I'm, I'm guessing you're going to be able to see this, maybe not in podcast land, but I'm smiling from ear to ear thinking about uh, all this impact that you're that you're creating with charitable impact. Well, um, what's what's something you've learned along the way? Like maybe something that you wish you understood when you started, but you know something that was a big lesson for yourself. Well, so I said earlier that I'm an entrepreneur who who got involved as an entrepreneur, but, you know, through subject matter expertise. And so it's easy for me to take for granted, you know, everything that I know through, you know, 15 years of experience, you know, working on a broad array of stuff, some of which is very complicated. So, you know, one of the things that I made a mistake on early was not spending enough time on, you know, translation and or core education that people um you know require in order to understand more clearly what we're building and why we're building it mm. so um we can make mistakes and i've made a lot <laughs> of these mistakes where you don't spend enough time understanding that the people who work for you are working with you in part because they bring other skills and talents that you don't have yourself. So while I'm rich in charity knowledge and, and vision for the future of donors, uh, I'm not rich in mm, design or you know, en- coding you know, engineering or this or in that. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and where we made some mistakes was just not spending enough time uh, um, helping people get up to speed on the what and the why and providing enough background education for them to really get, get, you know, get up to speed with that stuff. For what it's worth, we've learned this lesson enough times that we've sort of changed a lot of our operational capacity to put a lot of upfront uh, education and context behind the work that um, that that we're that we're venturing on to do. Oh, well, messaging, messaging, messaging—it's it's important as as is his team because you can't get everything done yourself, and when you have an almost hundred-person team, you can get a lot done, uh, a lot create a lot more impact, which. Again, uh, I, I really challenge people who are listening, please go go look into Charitable Impact. You know, sign up for an account, sign up for a family account uh, or for, for your family members and and, and teach them the, 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 you know, to become citizens, as you said, or good, good, uh, good citizens, as you said. Well, well, John, this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, as, as you know, our guest of this week is Brian Durate of Black Tech Capital. And uh, do you have a question that uh, you'd like to ask about his journey? Yeah, Brian. Um... I'm, I, as a social uh, impact sort of investor, what what are the core values that you look for when investing in companies as a social interest? Well, I'll, I'll take you back to the enlightened story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, enlightened is spelled E-N-L-I-T-E-N, right? Mm-hmm. Not what you would think for pronounced enlightened, but that came from my core values, so the core values for me were love, integrity, and transparency, the L-I-T in, in enlightened. Ooh, and, love you know, that. love is not typically used in a business sense, and people get that confused. It's not romantic love, but to me in business, if you've got the love for what you're doing, if you've got the love for the people around you and, and for taking care of people and planet, that becomes part of the core values inside the business. And that was a key for me. And the E-N stood for energy. So it was energy wrapped around the core values for the business. And that's what came in, in the name Enlighten. 
And so when I take in answering that question, when I take it back and looking to founders, the first question I asked the founder that we're interested and invested in is not what you're doing. It's why are you doing it, mm -hmm. right? What's the reason for creating the company you're doing? What are your core values? Because each of us, it's different. What's your core values? How does that core values that you have as an individual align with the values of the company and making sure that those values carry far. One of my so-called concerns is as I invest into these companies and they get larger, one of the potential ways for exiting is being bought out by another corporation. Now, if another big company buys them out, will their values still stay in place? Mm -hmm. Will that continue on in the future? So it's one of the things that we work with the companies right now to say, how do you instill those values into that DNA so it doesn't change? So a company like John's where, you know, doing this work with charities, you know, if he was bought out by a MasterCard or something like that in the future, right? Do those values stay in place and that focus stay in place as going forward? So to me, the values is everything and trying to keep that built into the company's DNA as it grows and matures is very important. Oh, I love that. Love, love is love is important, you know, in, in everything. Yeah. And I love I love the 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 you know, you're looking at everything from up and helping trying to instill that the idea that everything's long term. Even if there's an exit or a transaction, you should be thinking about mm -hmm. who that partner is. And that, that kind of mm -hmm. brings me back to an old, you know, I got I got an old uh, roommate from my way back in my UBC days, and I, I won't say exactly which car company it is in Germany he works for, but there's three letters and he's one of their head investors. And he told me, <laughs> You want to be careful when you take money from us, because sometimes it's actually to try to make sure that no one else gets the technology and that is a problem too so if you have some company that just buys it for selfish you know especially on an environmental yeah. side and they buy it for right. selfish reasons just to shelve it well maybe that's not a partner that you really want to be getting into bed with um exactly yeah and, yeah. and, and it's a tricky thing i mean as a, as a venture fund and, and as a business enlightened yeah we're here to make money that's key right we have mm -hmm. investors that we have to not answer to, but to me, it is a core responsibility of being able to deliver that return, right? Until we find a different way on this planet of doing things. I mean, money is a key indicator and a key driver. So when I look at companies, of course, I'm looking for those that are going to be successful. And um, I, I'm not out chasing unicorns, right? I will take them, right? I'm not out chasing, but... <laughs> You know, but for us, it's really important to work with all the companies that we're investing into to ensure they have the highest chance for success, right? Mm -hmm. And and yeah, making sure that that continues on and it's not just, and who to partner with. So we're using our experience, our networks um, to make sure, yeah, you're not taking, to me, it's taking smart money. You're not taking money that's going to handcuff you. And then all of a sudden, this technology is off the shelf. I was just working with uh, one of the researchers at Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a concern. They developed a new geothermal system. And the company that obtained the license, the concern is that they're, if they're not able to commercialize it, they may just shelve it so their competitors don't get a hold of it. Yeah. And, and that would be a shame. So... You know, we're working to ensure that there's the right steps and milestones in place that if a company isn't able to commercialize that in a certain time frame, the license reverts back to the university so mm -hmm. then they can 
or in this case, uh, TMU is different that the IP is owned by the individual uh, researchers mm -hmm. that they can now put it into a company that can make it use use of it. So very important to stay on top of all these things. It's yeah, complex, sure. but that's part <laughs> of the fun. <laughs> it is complex. Saving the world and, you know, creating value at the same time it is complex but i'm we're just yep. really we're just really happy that you're there doing it for 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 canada and for 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 all all communities um well yep. you're also a board member of the toronto center of learning and development um mm -hmm. what why is it so important for you to sit on a board like this for, for me that was one of the key boards i mean they're they're in the region park area um mm -hmm. uh, typically a you know historically a very depressed community. It's gone through a revitalization, but a lot of the issues there still exist. It has a, a large immigrant population. Being myself uh, an immigrant to Canada, I came here very young at seven years old. And um, even though Canada's home, I recognize that, you know, we bring in a lot of people from around the world, a lot of immigrants. And mm -hmm. for for many of them, it's a challenge getting started. So sitting on a board like that to me was critical, you know, to help um, that development. And I, you know, I'll speak in one of the ways I was able to help. But they they have a sewing studio that's part of that. So it teaches a lot of immigrant women um, sewing skills. And I guess today it's focused mostly on women, but. Um, it could go either way. I would say back when I was six, seven years old, one of the key skills I learned was how to sew. That was an after-school program mm -hmm. uh, back in Guyana in South America, where I was from. Mm -hmm. um, so the, but helping them, giving them those skills, and I was able to connect one of the entrepreneurial companies that I'm working with out of TMU that has developed uh, some really cool fashion uh, for, for women's undergarments for postpartum women and mm -hmm. connect them with the sewing studio because they wanted to utilize local labor. Um, and so to br bring those two together was really exciting for me. So again, being on that board helps me see some of the needs directly in the community and be able to help and contribute and give back, you know, from uh, all, all the, the, the privileges and, and opportunities I've been getting. I love sharing that and, and passing that on. Oh, that's that's just yeah. fantastic. Um, well, tell me about construction aid. Construction aid falls in one of those businesses that as an entrepreneur, I started and it failed, right? Mm -hmm. um, We've all had you know, them. <laughs> you learn. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was focused on in the construction industry for pouring concrete. What you're seeing in the construction industry in general is a lack of the skilled labor that be able, used to know how to do things and do things well is is dropping off right we we don't and and with it booming it's hard to find additional labor with that expertise and so when you're pouring concrete the ability to pour that concrete flat takes a lot of, of skill that even back in the day when you had more skilled labor wasn't there so this technology that we obtained was able to help them level the concrete you know with while it was still wet because today in building a lot of buildings they will spend two to five times more money going back and making the floor level than the initial pour cost them really? and so this um technology using lidar and ai was able to map out while the concrete was still wet gave them a heat map in the sense of what's high what's low could flatten the concrete 
and significant amount of dollar savings that would be available. Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, it was a spin-off technology coming out of another company. We had a limited time to be able to uh, raise the capital to, to utilize the technology. And the construction industry is actually one of the ones that's been the slowest to adopt technology mm-hmm. and just couldn't make it happen here fast enough. Is really all it came down to. You know, the technology is sitting, sitting on the shelf somewhere. It's still a mm-hmm. uh, very viable technology. And maybe one day we might be able to, to extract it out of that company and bring it out again. But uh, that was the story. Yeah, you know. It, can, can, can I ask you about, because I mean, again, we've all had failures. I've had them in my startup years. That we all do. What's the one lesson you learned from it? Like, when do you know when to walk away from it? Um, I mean, there was a couple of lessons. There was, you know, understanding the market you're going after, right? I think that's a big thing that a lot of businesses miss. You come up with a cool technology or a cool idea, and is the market ready for it, right? Uh, so to me, was it's more making sure you understand your market before you have to go out and sell it. That would probably be the biggest thing. Um, at the time, for various reasons, there actually was a market for it in the southern U.S., but it wasn't a place that uh, myself and my business partner at the time were, were willing to move and, and, and go to. So, sure. you know, understanding your own limitations, you know, what are you comfortable with, what are you not, and where are you willing to go, so... You know, again, the big lesson was really on understanding the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my my, my first my first uh, crash and burn with technology or with <laughs> my, with my company is cool technology, no business. So I totally understand. Yeah. What you're that. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's a bit of a handcuff too, right? Like you see that, and you think of a billion different ways you can use it. But what's mm-hmm. really the problem it's solving? And I assume right. as you know, as 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 a VC, that was always kind of your first question: is where where what problem are you solving? Or, you know, mm-hmm. is, this, is this a problem or is this a, you know, is this a vitamin kind of a thing? You know, how we have to understand that even if the technology is cool, it's right. a trap. It is a trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, I mean, I'll push it back to, you know, black founders, underrepresented founders. You typically, they're coming from communities, you know, the, the UN's recognize that communities in poverty, lower income communities, underrepresented communities, they're going to be hit by the effects of climate change more than others. So you really have with these underrepresented founders, they're out there solving problems that they've already seen a need. So they're not developing the technology and hoping there's a market. There's a market. They're developing the technology to meet it. So we are looking, the companies we're looking at at Black Tech Capital, it's not so much product market fit. It's can they scale up the technologies? Can they get investment fast enough to get them there? But the market's already there. Again, learning off of that lesson in construction aid, um, I'm looking at companies that understand the markets they're going after. And uh, to me, that gives us an advantage from uh, as investors and it gives us an advantage for those that have invested in us. Uh, and see, this is why, again, I love the startup culture because failure is good because we all learn yep. from it. It is so important. You know, I mean, cr- again, crashing and burning, it made me... Yep figure out the path of where I need to go, you know? And, yep. and, and, and I, I think, well, here, here's a question actually with, when we're talking about, you know, your um, underrepresented communities or startups, what do mm-hmm. you find? And I think everyone has a different, you know, case by case, but what do you find is, is more people need um, in that come to you? Is it connections to, you know, um, within, or is it money? What, 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 is there, is there a truth that you find in there? Or is it just kind of both? All, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it starts off 
with money, right? Any mm -hmm. startup, if they're not going to get funding, especially with, I'll speak a lot to the, the clean tech sector because we look at both hardware and software. Um, if, it's a, if it's a pure software play, typically there's ways to get going sooner. Yeah. But if you have any hardware involved, there's a timeline for development, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen for free. Right. Mm -hmm. And with 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 a lot of startups, they go through the stage. The first stage is friends and family. Right. And with underrepresented groups, they do not have those networks and mm -hmm. friends and family that can come and, and fund them. So mm -hmm. they're they're at a at a loss to, to to begin with. So, again, those that have, have been successful are typically ones that have pushed through that initial valley of death to get there. Um, the second thing is is the networks, right? They do not um, necessarily go to the same schools. They did not necessarily mm -hmm. um, have the same work connections, and and that's a big thing that we're doing at Black Tech Capital. You know, with you know my thirty plus years of experience in the energy industry, right? I have mm -hmm. developed a number of connections, so you know mm -hmm. we, we make those available to, to the founders we're looking at. But they need those connections. Um, they need the talent and then they need just the simple learnings, right? You know, people like yourself and, and myself that have had companies fail, right? You, you've learned from that, right? Mm -hmm. We've learned what not to do, what's needed, what's not needed. So mm -hmm. that level of, you know, learning and expertise is what I impart to, especially the younger founders that have looked at not that haven't gone through. And then I'm dealing with some of the founders that are, this is their fourth or fourth uh fifth business some successful mm -hmm. some not so mm -hmm. um again it's bringing all those pieces the money the learning and the networks uh as i said most of them have already found the market so th mm -hmm. those other three pieces is what they need well that, that that's great well you, you started your career at enbridge which you know obviously mm -hmm. is a very large uh established organization is there value in working for a group like that you know a large um organization prior to becoming a, an entrepreneur or is it better just to just to go for it i i don't know if there's a right answer to that um mm -hmm. i did spend most of my third and fourth year asking people should i go into a corporation and asking the exact same or should i start my own business right i mean mm -hmm. i'll take you back i mean i've been an entrepreneur since i was seven eight years old my first business was selling golf balls i'd go into the river fish them up clean them up and sell them back and to this day, I still remember a Jack Nicholas golden beer I could sell for a dollar. That was my prized possession, right? <laughs> and I had businesses all through elementary school, uh, all through high school. Uh, one is my nature. My dad was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. So it comes to me naturally through the, the family. And then also being um, a, a new immigrant family and my parents had separated there was financial burdens as well. And I, and I was glad to be able to help and contribute to that. So always had businesses, but to answer the specific on that, I don't know if there's any right answer. Some people can just jump right in on it. To me, I highly value what I learned from working for Enbridge. Mm -hmm. To me, a lot of the things in those corporate structures and having an HR department, having an IT department is one of the things we're now mimicking in Black Tech Capital in terms of we're investing into the companies, but we're also trying to provide them those support ancillary services that I really wouldn't have known are key to a company, even at the earlier stages, mm -hmm. unless I'd worked for Enbridge. I had learned, it taught me how to read contracts. It taught me how to um, you know, read legal agreements, how to put together legal agreements, put together contracts, 
um, how to deal. I mean, I was managing a multi-billion dollars of assets for the entire distribution system wow. for, for Ontario, uh, building multi-million dollar pipeline projects. So, you know, without something like that, would I had the early exposure and how to deal with 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar projects? Probably not. Mm. So, um, and one of the key experiences, especially being in that sector, when we were um, doing designs and we were looking 30, 40 years into the future, so we were building this distribution system for that level of resilience. That's now what's key in the climate sector because you're not building a solution for tomorrow. You're building a solution that's going to, for the planet, 20, 30, 40 years into the future. And I highly credit you know, my, my years at Enbridge with that kind of thinking and, and way of approaching things. So for me, um, it was invaluable, right? As I said, no right answer of which way is the best way to go, but it was hugely instrumental for me to do what I'm doing now. Oh, and I think that's important. And I could see the hustle when you said you're you're, you're in high school hustling and, and with the golf yes. balls. I mean, that is the entrepreneurial hustle that is so important. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, you know, quite often, and I'm sure you get this too, is maybe mm -hmm. you'll come across a startup where the idea might need a little bit more work. You know, you might need a little bit work with the product market fit, but you believe in the mm -hmm. founder right away. Like you just know, yeah. uh, whatever you do, you're going to make it successful and I'm going to support that. And, you know, identifying yeah. the, the the hustle, the people that are resilient, the people that are, you know, just going to get the job done. That's, yep. you know, worth it. And you find that those type of people usually pay it back too, because they recognize, yep. you know, at least, at least, in my, I mean, I've been playing this game. I'm, I'm, I was going to university in the nineties. It's, it's been a while. Let's just say, um, but you do, yeah. you do recognize these patterns that you don't get there on your own, and you know, it, and it's important uh, to to pay it back, uh, which you're doing, and then some. Exactly. I mean, you're right about the entrepreneurs. I mean, the first thing that I look for is who's the founder, and I start working with the founder, the one we invested in back in May. I've been working with that founder for almost a year before, mm -hmm. you know ensuring that they had the right idea, they had the right way of approaching business. And key from a perspective of investing into a company, I need to know they're coachable, right? If they're not coachable, it's a non-starter, right? Um, so yeah, that that is, you know, identifying that hustle, that identifying that ability to take the knocks because they're going to have to pivot. They will have failures, right? You know, you and I have had business failures. We know what it's like. <laughs> Are they prepared to deal with it or have they dealt with that before? Very, very key. Mm -hmm. oh, that, I'm learning mm -hmm. so much. This is this is so much fun. This I'm I'm really, really, really enjoying this. Um well, well you know, as, as, this is awesome. So the theme mm -hmm of afternoon tea is to talk to wonderful entrepreneurs like yourself in order to kind of expedite that, uh, you know, the learnings of the next generation, which we have definitely done today. Yeah. But I have these two questions that I ask in, in every episode that, that that's personally interesting. E you know, even if it's just interesting to me, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I want to know this. But mm -hmm. first one is, can you share one piece of advice to help younger Canadian founders? I guess the, the one piece of advice would be, um, look for the right mentors and advisors mm -hmm. right that that is 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 critical um you know you can come up with a cool solution and said you can look to see if the market's there but finding the right advisors to help you and guide you is critical right and mm -hmm. and there's a lot of us out there mm -hmm. even and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay for them it doesn't necessarily mean um they want they, 
you know, there has to be something for it, but look for the right ones and that are in your area of expertise and, and identify what's the gaps that you personally have or what your organization may have uh, for them to fill that. So to me, that's critical and key is finding those right mentors and advisors earlier on to help you guide where you're going. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think I think that's top notch, top notch advice and, and easy advice to follow too. That's the one thing about that advice I like yeah. that so much is that's relatively easy. You know, I can get a map. I can find people that are in the industry or have gone through a similar journey. And hey, help me. You know, and and the thing is, is if you ask respectfully and mm -hmm. recognizing that people's time is very important, I mm -hmm. find that like ninety five percent of the people will find value in helping you. And you know, exactly. you just have to ask. You, you have, have to, to ask, ask. And, and you key point about respecting their time. You know, mm -hmm. if I, I've had founders come up to me and then they late for the meeting, mm -hmm. big no, no, right. Not prepared, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Come mm -hmm. prepared, come with your questions, send your questions ahead of time yeah. of what you want to go, you know, and it's very easy to get 15, 20 minutes of someone's time. But mm -hmm. if you try to book an hour and then waste it, don't, you know, 15, 20 minutes, keep it laser focused you can some find some of the most valuable experts imaginable. Right? Awesome. Uh, I, got a little... I mean, I give an example of a company we invested in Mars Materials. Mm -hmm. They've got on their advisory board the person that first developed the process that they're using um, for, for making this acrylonitrile, which is the base substance. And they mm -hmm. went and found the original guy that did it. And awesome. he's helping them. So it's out there. You just have to look and ask. Mm -hmm. Look and ask and recognize that people do want to help, you know, yep, uh, exactly. which, 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 you yeah. know, this is, this is awesome. Well, last question, you know, I say last question, let's see how far we go. Cause I'm enjoying this too much, but um, can you share the name of a Canadian entrepreneurial, which is a hard word to say entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to? I personally look up to his name is Isaac Olawafe. Olawafe. I probably pronounce O-L-O. W L A F E. Um, mm -hmm. He is the lead general partner for a venture fund called BKR Capital, also mm -hmm. focused on BIPOC founders. But what I love about Isaac, he really enjoys giving back. He started Dreammaker Ventures. He's you know built out uh, the Black Innovation Fund, part of the DMZ over at uh, Ryerson TMU. You mm -hmm. know he's always giving back to the community, always looking how to develop. When the we had um, collision conference happen here, there was a number of entrepreneurs coming from Africa that were part of the tech stores cohort, and all of a sudden things got messed up with with uh, finding them hotels and getting here, and and he put them up. He has a a boutique hotel in in Yorkdale, and he put all of them up in there in his hotel, right? So he gives back to the community. Um, you know, I, he was out at the um, National Black Canadian something out in Halifax. You know, he had a person speaking there. The person could make it. He jumped on a plane nine o'clock that night, which ended up leaving at two in the morning because of delays and, and showed up for it, right? So, I mean, really inspired by, you know, his wanting to give back to the community, always looking for what's missing, where can he make a difference and, and where he can give back. So, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, a, a new venture fund manager, you know, really an inspiration to me um and someone I, that i look up to in this ecosystem oh that's such a wonderful story and you know someone that i think you know just like just like how you said is probably leading mm -hmm. from a position of love and yep. you know you don't do those things if you're not and i know his, uh, he says his wife asks him why are you doing this right <laughs> you know mm -hmm. why why do you keep you know 
taking the challenges. I mean, especially being he's he's in the real estate sector and in the construction industry, and that's a really tough one because, as I said, being being who he is, his back he doesn't have that same long pedigree, so he doesn't get the same favorable interest rates. Like when he sent him, he's building his hotel, he had to get it done in three years. Otherwise, the interest payments were going to kill him versus person building next door got it at a lot cheaper rate. So, you know, so I'm inspired by his ability to not give up and just keep going at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And, and you know, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, with Techstars too and Sunil, because I, 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 met, mm-hmm. I yeah. met Sunil at Web Summit in Portugal and and obviously at Collision too, which was awesome. And right. I was amazed because I, he he introduced me to many of the companies who are, I, I guess they're kind of like, they're African based, but they're kind of in between Baltimore and Toronto, like, or at least some, some of them were in the right. States, some of them were there and they were so interesting. Like, it's yep. so interesting. I've, I've personally spent uh, time in, in multiple African countries uh, with my family and, and learning about some of the problems that are facing it. and to see and to meet some of these individuals who are really you know solving some of the or at least trying to solve some of these problems it was it was enlightening and I'm, I'm i'm glad that he is helping them because i think they're helping more than just you know a small section of society this these are big problems they're trying to solve so yeah i mean sunil is great i mean i met him through founder institute the toronto founder institute program where i mentor in and mm-hmm. then you know, we connected and he's asked, he asked me to help one, that last cohort uh mm-hmm. coming through tech stars yeah. um but yeah, he's recognized that he's recognized that a lot of the founders coming out of the African continent, they're mm-hmm. solving issues on the ground. So they're doing that. They mm-hmm. see what the problem is, see that there's a market for it and, and going out and solving. And they're hustling to do it, right? And he he has been a big supporter of that, you know, and 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 not just helping them there, but a lot of them are looking to set up their companies here in Canada or set them up mm-hmm. in the US, you know. So so bringing that, I mean, we've got a great startup visa program. We we're behind on bringing people here, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the things we need to recognize here in in Canada and North America in general. I was just uh, meeting back in, in August, uh, listening to the former head of the, the Bank of Canada and the labor shortages we're facing here right now, we're in a declining population from us Canadians making mm-hmm. enough children basically is what it comes down to. We don't. Mm-hmm. So we have to bring in immigration. It is a key strategy for us to grow into the future and bringing in, you know, entrepreneurs that are hustling, developing businesses, developing solutions. That's the kind of right kind of people we want to have here, you know, to help our country grow. So mm-hmm. it's, it's key to us. And, and Sunil is, is one of those people I also look up to, you know, that that's helping and making a difference. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm lucky. I consider him a friend, and I'm I'm really you know am am impressed. And uh, well, this is awesome. You know, Brian, I'm having again way too much fun. But I I know that you're you're very busy, and you've got you've got a, a million things, you know, a million problems you're trying to solve and 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 help. But I just personally want to say thank you. I, I I really enjoyed speaking with you today and learning more. And if there's anything that I or the listeners can ever do to help support your mission, please you know reach out to me. Um, I'm sure people. Is there, I mean, is there ever a way that they can reach out? I guess maybe LinkedIn or something like that uh, is is a way. I'm, I'm, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. That, that's probably the easiest way. I list all my contact information, including my phone number, for better or for worse. Right. <laughs> um, so that that's the easiest way. You know, connect with with me there, um, and then happy to share. You know where the needs are. You know whether it's it's through the fund, it's through Enlighten, whatever. You know, um, you know. Always willing to to talk to people, um, you know whether those be potential investors for the future, whether mm-hmm. it's you know founders looking for some advice, um, 
happy to take those conversation. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I, I know, Chris, you've been helpful and, you know, I'll reach back out, you know, with any of our needs. You know? Wonderful. And, Wonderful. And, you know, celebrate this uh, Black Tech Capital being one of the uh, said innovative funds for the future, you know, putting, uh -huh. you know, to me, it's like the more we can get Canadians on the world stage, the better. Right. And I'm proud to be Canadian. And I mean, we're a small country, relatively speaking. And so we have to be on the world stage to grow and, and amplify our impact. And, uh, you know, any way we can do that, the better. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode. And that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.